Welcome to another episode of Thoughts of a Techno Wizard. It is Sunday, October 9th, <laughs> uh, 2.18 p.m. Nice day, another nice day, really like it, really enjoy this weather. Uh, this is why fall is the best season. <laughs> um, but today, I'm going to get right into it. I want to talk about AI. Thinking this morning, I read, came across a a tweet talking about how um, it's funny that some AI or some uh, Go players, professional Go players, who play against AI or seen you know plays who seen you know AI based Go, you know the AlphaGo stuff like that. Right? They mentioned how um, those matches, like the AI, seems like an alien. Right, and that the coming up. Well, first, that it just kind of ended it there. The, the tweet kind of ended there. But I, I did some further research, you know, just looking it up, and a, there was this great article showing how. Um, number one, how AlphaGo <laughs> is so like has uh, mi- plays itself millions of times, right? And as you may or may not know, um, AlphaGo actually beat the best. Uh, go player in the world right and uh, <laughs> and what's crazy is that they have a new version of this they have one called zero go I think it's called um, or something like that so alpha go they they trained it based on real go go player data right they they fed it in data of million, a bunch of games that real people have played and that machine, you know, played itself using that data and it was, you know, so good they was able to beat professional Go players. And then this new version of it, Zero Go, they trained it not using zero uh, human data. They just taught it the, the basics of the game, like how to play Go. And then had it play itself millions of times. And it beat the old Alpha Go player. Zero to one hundred or something like that, like something crazy. Like AlphaGo has never been able to beat this new Zero Go <laughs> um, AI. Now they have not yet released, or at least from the that article I read since twenty seventeen, it probably released it by now. But as of that article, they had they hadn't released Zero Go yet. Um, but the article was talking about how uh, Google released the AlphaGo imagery with uh, or videos of AlphaGo playing itself right about 50 of them again this is the old one this is way back in 2017 a little bit before that <laughs> way back <laughs> it's like five years but that's that's far back in terms of ai um but for the purposes of this podcast or this episode today um it doesn't really matter what the current predicaments are right because what i'm gonna the things i want to talk about is, is pretty evergreen but all this to say um during the end of that article, in, or in that article, one of the leading Go players at the time, I forgot his name, I, I, you know, I don't want to pay attention to names like that, but one of the leading Go players at, uh, of the time was talking about how they would regularly watch those those games, right, of AlphaGo playing itself. And they would comment on how, on how th- there were many areas in which they didn't understand, like these professional players, Right, who played thousands and thousands of Go game of Go, they would not understand how or why the AI made certain moves. Right? And yet those moves would 
you know, create victories in which they never thought possible, <laughs> right? And just a quick recap for those that don't know, Go is a pretty simple game um, at, at first glance, right? The rules are simple. It's simpler than chess in some ways. And this is another important point I'm going to get into as well, like complex versus com- uh, comp- complexity versus complicatedness. In some ways, I would say chess is more complicated than Go, right? At least at first glance. Because with chess, every move does something different. Like every, or almost every piece, right, has a different move set. And you kind of have to figure out what, what each move set is. You can't just look at it and, and learn how to play. But with Go, what's really interesting is that the moves are really simple. Like the board is set up as a grid, you know, um, and you put your pieces on the intersections of that grid. And you either have a black piece or the white piece. And the object of the game is simply to surround the other player's uh, um, um, pieces. I forgot what they call them. But the pieces. And when you surround them, flip it over. And, and that becomes your piece. Right? So it seems really simple. Like I can explain how to play <laughs> how to play Go. Very simple. I can't really explain how to play chess. Even though it's, it's technically simpler in some ways. Like, we'll get to that. But... <laughs> And chess, in order for me to explain it to you, if you've never played chess, if you've never seen, if you don't actually know how chess is played, it's really difficult. You have to explain how each piece moves, right? (laughs) But in Go, all of it's the same. All that to say, in Go, right, it's way more complex, right? Because with chess, because every every piece has its own move set, you can pretty you can like the 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 combination of moves are a much lower combination it's it's a huge number don't get me wrong it's like they've they've calculated all this before right if you calculated all the possible moves in chess you have a this number that number is far 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 less than the moves in go Right and and in, and Go has multiple board options. Right, you can play on a small like five by five or nine, nine by nine board, or a big thirteen, fifteen, maybe even eighteen, eighteen board or something like that. Right, so those those move sets get exponentially larger <laughs> for Go. But what makes Go so complex, and in some ways complicated, right? Once you get to the larger scale of things, is the fact that there are patterns that emerge. Right when you're playing, they have all these different moves. Like based on how you start the game, can t- can explain or or project how you're going to finish, or at least like your your strategy for the rest of the game. It's again somewhat similar to chess, but way more complicated and and uh, go because of the sheer amount of possibilities. Right, all that to say. <laughs> Um, what makes apparently I was really curious about this this statement right of oh uh, professional go players say playing an AI is, is like playing an alien I was like okay what what, what do you mean by that <laughs> alright like at first glance you kind of understand that means oh uh, the AI is weird right and anybody that's ever played you know a bot <laughs> online will tell you yeah, yeah playing an AI is weird it does things that you wouldn't expect but in theory, especially for a good AI, a good AI does things to which you don't realize is optimal 
to the point where if you ever play the, a difficult AI, right, you have this you have this feeling like, is this AI cheating, <laughs> right? Like, how is this AI so good? Like, it's it's doing things that you wouldn't expect a human to do, not because that move is impossible, but because humans have inherent quirks, right? Humans have um, limitations of what we can perceive and, and the, the speed at which we can perceive things and then our reaction to those things that we perceive and all this other stuff. But a, 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 an AI, right? And by AI, I really should say computer, right? Because this is one of my arguments here. But what we really mean is that these computers can calculate things so quickly, right? And so, you know, vastly that it can do things that we wouldn't expect, right? And we wouldn't even think is possible simply because of our own limitations of our biology. So when I read that statement, I was like, huh. It seems to me what we really mean here is that this AI plays like a computer. <laughs> and it's not as it's not as exciting as a as a as a um quote, but it's really important because if just think about it, like if you were able to play an alien, right? Meaning this alien would have, we're just assuming this alien can communicate with us and they can understand our games. Just because of, just by that, that, that alone, the fact that this alien can communicate with us and can play our games, can play something like Go. That means that alien would have to have some similarities to how we think. Would have to have some level of, you know, um, of thinking abilities that, that can you know relate to us in some significant shape or form and most likely that alien would also have some sort of biological limitations to how they can play right to how they perceive the world most likely to us they're going to be made of some sort of molecules or some sort of thing they're going to have some some um perceptual lag time between you know their perceptions and and you know their reaction speed you know, due to just if they're moving around physically, right, they're going to literally have to have some sort of reaction speed, you know, um, due to how their, their brains are made up because they most likely have some finite amount of energy that they're using. They're going to have some limitation as to um, their memory, their planning abilities, their strategic abilities, all these things. Right. Again, this is a, a, just assuming that they have some a relation to us enough to play a game. Because if they have no relations to us, then we, we can't even say it. Like, they could behave, like, completely, you know, <laughs> weirdly. <laughs> but then it, we wouldn't be able to play a game with them anyway. So this whole metaphor kind of falls apart. But I, the reason why I'm taking this a little bit literally here is because this is, this is super important to how we're building technology today. Right, we cannot see these AI as aliens because an alien would have some biological limitations. This is super important because an AI does not have biological limitations, at least not how we're building it today. The only limitations it has is physics, <laughs> right? And to an extent, like. Our biological limitations also has physical limitations, but of course it's several layers of magnitude less. Meaning, our brains cannot cannot function at the speed of light, right? Because we have chemistry, 
going on in our brains, right? It has to wait for, you know, these chemical processes and things like that. But in a computer chip, you can have things that operate on at the speed of light, right? Um, and, and these similar types of things. And relatedly, a human or any other biological construct will most likely have limitations as to what it can pay attention to, right? It's, it's um, attentional, whatever you want to call it, like it's focus, right? Like we literally cannot multitask because our perception does not allow us to look at two things at the same time and do two actions at the same time, right? Just two. But a computer can. It literally is built to multitask, right? With the quad-core processors. So literally, it's running multiple paths at the same time. Multiple, if you can put it in our terms, streams of thought at the exact same time. And it could do multiple actions at the exact same time. This is not inconsequential. This is not some small, oh yeah, obviously that's how computers work. No. Like seriously think about what this means for our entire society as we're building out these technologies. Right now, when you look at a AlphaGo, um, and maybe they have ZeroGo out there, gameplay, what you're looking at is a machine that can that has played itself millions of times. That alone is already something no human will ever be able to do. Simply because we cannot live that long, right? We we have <laughs> we we have uh, limited perceptions, right? In order for us to look at one game or play one game, we have to take some amount of our life out of it, right? And so, by just by the limitations of our biology, once again, we can only even the masters of our of our of of any field can only have a data set. Of a couple thousand, maybe a couple hundred thousand or something like that, but it's highly unlikely, if not impossible, for any human as we know them today to ever have a data set of more than some number, which is most likely in the millions. Right? So, our data set, and well, actually, most likely in the thousands, <laughs> but our data set is significantly smaller than any AI. AI, right, computers have a data set that is so astronomically large that we cannot actually perceive them. We can't even perceive what a million looks like. Right? We can conceive some point, some some idea of millions, but we don't actually have a realistic perception of millions. We it's just not physically possible. <laughs> all right. Even though we can talk all day about millions and billions and trillions, we don't know what that is. We can't experience that, and so therefore we cannot understand it on the on a fundamental level. But an AI can. And I'm bringing all this up because they they in this article they're talking about oh, they did certain moves where it doesn't really make sense why they did it, or at least to us, right? And it seems that when they're playing. They can do things, they can make strategies that no human has ever thought to do. Not because, you know, um, humans are, are dumb or anything like that or whatever. It's for the simple fact that some strategies may require you to do a move in the very beginning 
that won't pan out for another hundred moves later on and that like our brains literally cannot perceive a hundred steps ahead like you, you we we just don't have the physical capacity right <laughs> to think x x number of steps ahead so when i'm when i'm reading these articles and thinking about these things i'm thinking about the fact that as we're producing these ai machines um in the space of games right that's quickly going to um or is already being used in the space of uh you know um driving right in the space of what we see with the tesla in the space of flying in the space of um now article writing now image processing and i should have watched that video damn it i was going to watch a computer file video um it's a youtube channel about or number file i don't know but there was there's a video they were going to explain how dolly works and these image processes. I really wanted to watch that before doing this podcast, but oh well. <laughs> um, but I'm pretty sure that it's fairly similar because I've seen a similar video for um, translator when they was talking about Google's uh, um, the 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 one that does the speech the, or the text thing where it can come up with conversations and things like that. Right? It's a it's a I think they call it a translator um, type of um, computer algorithm. Or whatever, meaning that it takes a whole bunch of data, right? Takes again millions of sets of data and crunches that, like to find patterns and all these other things in order to create what it's creating. And this is incredibly important, right? Because now we're coming up against this idea of oh, when does AI become sentient, right? When do you have sentient machines? When do you have um, what is intelligence really? I think that sentience is about a system of systems that are, are self-referential, self-referential systems that create this, this experience of self-awareness, meaning you have enough systems that are able to look back at the prior systems, at the underlying systems to you know, assess their um, homeostasis, right? their balance, their, their um, levels of... It could be different things. Homeostasis could be, you know, um, is itself healthy enough to to continue? Does it at a good temperature? Is that a good, you know, chemical? Does it have enough uh, of the of a certain type of vitamin or chemical or whatever, like resources to continue living and things like that? Right. I think we have like this this idea of self um, awareness has emerged as a result of who knows how many self-referential self-referential systems going on in our bodies and our brains right and i think at some point maybe ai might get to this or we might just have to well like might get to this naturally as a result of building out these these huge data sets but most likely we're going to have to design it that way but either way the fact of the matter is that our intelligence is not necessarily the same thing as our self-awareness as our as our sentience right intelligence is the ability to problem solve right and with these ai we call it artificial intelligence but but they're not always you know intelligent <laughs> right they're not always solving problems it's more so that they are crunching numbers right they're calculating 
predictions, calculating equations, and things like that, which is a very important distinction, <laughs> right? If you have a bunch of, um, like a like a graphics engine, right, a, a graphic user interface, right, the thing that makes your computer make all these pretty pictures, that is a calculation machine. It's not an artificial intelligence, meaning it's not solving any problems. Problems as in like, you know, uh, something's wrong here, let's fix it. More so, it has a bunch of calculations. So it's the only problems it's solving is a, is a, is a function, is an equation. It's like put in this amount of numbers and then get this out, right? <laughs> and so your graphics engine is more so a, a huge calculator, right? Solving thousands and thousands, if not millions of problems every second. But your these AI, right, are being built not necessarily as calculators, but sim somewhat similar to how our brain works in order to solve problems. So with this Go machine, right, what's going on here is that it's, it has the data set of all these examples of how this game is played and because of that it can see the you know it can experience if for if you will <laughs> if you want to use that word here um the good and the bad like it's important to recognize that what makes a good go player a, a professional go player is not that they are so much smarter than other people or rather you know the what we mean by smart let's 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 start there what we mean by smart i'm going to get a little bit of tangent here but what we mean by smart usually is not necessarily that you have more raw power it's not that you have more processing power yes that can play into it but the the processing power is kind of useless if you don't have the second part which is pattern matching abilities right the ability to Look at a data set. Look at some 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 information, some signals that being that are you you're you're being given, and to see a pattern there. And that pattern, right? The the success of your intelligence or your problem solving abilities or whatever, lies on the fact, or, or on or rather lies on whether or not that pattern, um, can be replicated, right? lies on the fact of whether or not that pattern is relevant to other situations. Basically, the... the I feel like there's a better word for this, but I hope you get what I mean here, right? So we have all this data. We have all this information, these signals. And then we form patterns of them. We form patterns in order to understand what is going on around us. And so when we say somebody's really smart or intelligent, what we mean here is that they have a great pattern matching ability, right? And then on top of that, those patterns that they are matching, those patterns that they are finding or identifying or whatever, are something that can be communicated to other people and can solve problems that we you know, value, that we want to solve. And that's another type, you know, that's another type and level of intelligence and smartness. Like we say this all the time, it doesn't matter how smart you are in this one aspect, if you can't, you know, communicate it um, 
easily, then it doesn't really matter, right? Like you can be as smart as you want, but if you can't communicate what you're seeing and what you're thinking to other people, then it, it becomes <laughs> kind of your, your your intelligence is 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 inherently limited, is inherently you know in a box, if you will. And to some extent, this is why we we look at certain things like Asperger's or autism as disorders, even if they have some some advantages in, in, in something like you know raw processing power or certain amount of pattern matching skills or something like that if they lack the communication aspects it makes it very difficult for them to go through life much less to show off that intelligence and this is another reason why something like computer science as a field is so prevalent with people who have these sorts of disorders or at, at the very least personality traits right where they're typically not very good at communicating they're not very good at you know social intelligence at, at understanding other people's thoughts and under other people's emotions and things like that because they're very specialized in this one kind of field of intelligence this one field of pattern matching and things like that right they might only be able to see a certain type of pa- certain types of patterns but may not be able to see other types of patterns. But we have created a, a, a world where those people can also, you know, um, excel because they can create programs. <laughs> they can speak to computers. They can build these machines that are able to do that for them. Or at the very least, you know, um, solve problems for other people. All this to say, though, that what we're doing with AI is 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 both like this and not. And I, I'm, I don't even know if I'm making sense with any of this. Like I'm seeing the patterns myself, but it's hard for me to communicate exactly, you know, what I'm seeing and, and, and where I think it's going. What I'm trying to say here is that with AI, you have this data set that is so enormously huge that no human being ever at least so far without you know augmentations and things like that we'll we'll be able to grasp this data set and because of that this ai can discover patterns that we will never be able to see and because of that they can create strategies right that solve problems but in a way in which we never may be able to understand. And this is really important because if we, we, if we do not understand something, we almost certainly will not do it. In fact, a lot of our society, right, hinges upon the assumption that we think we understand what we're, what we're seeing, what we're doing, and things like that. To our detriment, to, to some extent, right? Because very often, we actually can't tell <laughs> whether a certain strategy is good or bad. Good or bad meaning it actually solves the problems and creates no um, consequences that make the problem worse or create other problems down the line, right? We have no ability to actually do this very consistently or, you know, um, or dependably. However, we, we, we have a huge ability to adapt 
so that if anything does go wrong, okay, we, we, we change it. We say, okay, we, something happened here and it, it wasn't <laughs> ideal and so we do something else. This is why it, um, I'm going off on a tangent here. Well, not really. This went to, okay, this is a tangent, but I did want to talk about this. So we'll, we'll, I might back off of this, but <laughs> this is why um, I think the world really likes to trend towards, or our society really likes to trend towards um, more flat-ish, you know, um, decision-making, right? We like to say democracy is so much better than anything that came before, you know? And in many ways, people like, this is why people like capitalism so much, because it seems like it's, it allows us to adapt more quickly and more consistently to any other system that we had before, such as feudalism or, um, um, or any other sort of, uh, authority, straight authoritarian, you know, or state focused or state centered, you know, um, organizations. But the problem of course, is that capitalism is not <laughs> very adaptive because it puts everything through the lens of monetary, um, uh, measurements and privatization. And that privatization serves as a bottleneck to adaptation, right? Because if you, people are privatizing certain resources and access to things and things like that, then less people can adapt to those situations. Less people can, can make those changes and do things and things like that. But anyways, um, what I mean to say here, going back to the AlphaGo thing, it's not that AlphaGo is alien. It's that it's a computer, <laughs> right? Quite simply, right? It's, it's, it can see more patterns than any biological creature can see. What makes the difference between a good Go player and a bad Go player is number one, their experience, where number one, their understanding of the game, right? Obviously, do they know the rules and things like that? And then number two, their experience, how many games have they played, right? And as their, it's not just experience, but number three, their pattern matching abilities. So as they're playing those games, do they understand the patterns? Do they understand what results in a good, you know, um, in a good outcome versus what does not? This is why when you once you start playing Go, you quickly get to a point where people are where where you're learning the different um, strategies and and uh, what do you call it? I forgot what they call it, but like basically patterns, right? It's been it's been months since I played Go, so I don't remember the terms anymore. But there's this one uh, pattern. Where they say, oh, if you if you see this general pattern here, right, where you have this dot here or this piece here, this piece here, whatever, then you you, you just stop playing there, because it creates a a sort of infinite back and forth, right, and you don't actually it doesn't actually pro- progress the game forward, so it's kind of pointless. We already know that this pattern just results in that, right, and it's in this another pattern. Oh, if you see this and you're trapped here or there's this amount of openings then you automatically won this area or you automatically lost this area so there's no point in playing there because the the decision is already made you're just wasting time if you play the rest through right and then there's this other pattern over here where if you do this if you, you see my point right like there's and all of these have names right um the ishigi the osho like <laughs> that's terrible so i'm sorry <laughs> but the point is like you we have these patterns we can identify the patterns so a good go player is able to quickly identify the patterns that they're seeing right and in the article they said it really well and in go and probably many other games but in go 
all the patterns you can can envision them as a tree right and there are certain branches of that tree which are just dead <laughs> which are kind of useless or, or not very good and there's other branches that are very great and that's where most people try to tend towards right however there are far more branches out there that we just don't know about like there's if you there's, if it's a giant tree there's only this certain amount of branches that are in our scope that we're able to perceive there's other branches that are far out of our perception <laughs> that we can't understand right that we just haven't seen before simply because again like we have a limited amount of perception so some of those branches way up on the top of the tree may only ever you may only ever get to them if you do certain you know opening positions in the very beginning right but if you you know never think to go in those positions because you because there's moments where this opening position right most likely leads to this branch which you know is dead but there may be some very you know weird use case or weird edge case where you know that when that opening position if you do it this way might actually lead to this very profitable like very you know very rich branch and which can win you the game in very unique ways but we'll never get there because we we have no way of seeing you know that edge case or we have no way of seeing the weird things you do in order to get to that other branch but a machine that can play millions of games can see way more branches so when we say something is more intelligent right what we mean here is several things number one they have more processing power more raw power there number two they have more pattern matching abilities number three they can see more patterns they can play more games they can get more experience and then number four they can hopefully communicate that they can utilize that or maybe that can be that's four and five right four is being able to utilize it five is being able to communicate it again it doesn't have to be it doesn't have to be in this order but you know point is like there are different kind of aspects to intelligence but the problem here is that these ai are not being built to ever communicate <laughs> you know their abilities they're being built to simply you know communicate amongst themselves and almost in often in complete isolation to the rest of the world and there's been multiple instances where different researchers and things like that have have seen that they've created AI that began to create their own languages their own languages amongst themselves and then they had to shut it down because they didn't know what the hell was going on <laughs> alright this is extremely terrifying and what makes it even scarier is not is that this may not even be sentient they may not even be sentient meaning they may not even have an understanding of the self or you know their role or their not their role but their existence in an overlying ecosystem right because again they're only seeing the world in their own box right in their own box of of just data and so there's this very real possibility that just like a person just like an expert who's really good at one thing who's really good at their thing a neurosurgeon or 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 engineer or whatever right 
that they begin to filter the, the world through their perception, through their expertise. You see this all the time in science, right? We have these really smart scientists. They're really great biologist or engineer or whatever, right? And then they begin to see the world as, oh yeah, the machine, or the world is really just like a machine, or the world is really like a, 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 a creature, or the world is really, you know? And so, yes, sometimes these analogies are very useful. Don't get me wrong. But the point is that we know that they are experts in that one field, and we can take from them what we like and we, what we don't like. And more importantly, right, they shouldn't have you know, ultimate control over everybody's lives. <laughs> they, and they don't have the power to determine how everybody lives based on their own perceptions of the world. So if they see the world as a machine or as a, you know, organism or whatever, they can't force everybody to, be to behave just like a machine or an organism would. But we can still use some of their analogies and, and pattern matching skills and things like that. And in fact, if I go on a little bit of a tangent once again, that is one of the biggest problems that led us to where we are today. Is because many of the you know European philosophers and scientists saw the world as a machine, specifically as a machine that God made. Right? You have this whole idea of the God in the machine, or not just Dusik's Machina, but this idea that the, the world, like Newton says all the time, right? The, the world um, was created by God for us to use, right? For his purposes. And because of that, right? They saw the world, they saw people, nature, all these things as, as things that you use, right? As cogs, as pieces in which you can, you know, do what you will, right? And because of that, they were able to justify all sorts of terrible behavior, right? Slavery, um, you know, terrible, <laughs> uh, uh, terrible patriarchal views on 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 women and, and their, you know, role in the world and things like this. And so, the way that we perceive the world fundamentally, you know, uh, controls or influences how we create the world. Now imagine all of that, but for AI, right? Where we have these machines. What's scary about these machines is not that they're going to become sentient. It's that they won't. It's that they will just have this massive amount of processing power, this massive data sets, and all these other uh, uh, things, but they fundamentally do not understand, <laughs> you know, the fact that you and I are not just pieces of data. Right, or maybe that that <laughs> maybe we are just pieces of data, <laughs> and to them, you know, they maybe they're able to see the truth of the situation that we really are just data sets and whatever, and they can you know they they can control the world to create you know that which they think is the correct way of living the world or whatever. But here therein lies the other problem, right? Even if they are able to see the world, like. Again, let's let's say go right. They're able to see branches of this the the tree, far far beyond any what any of us can understand. If they say do this in order to you know lead to that branch, we may not be able to do it. Not just because you know we don't understand it, but we don't know how to do it. 
they may say, oh, you just move here, move here. When that happens, move there, move there, right? They could, even if they somehow were able to create a, a manual <laughs> that says, in this situation, do this, do that, the other, we may not have the cognitive abilities, right, to follow that manual to the letter. And it could very well mean that any time, any time you, any, with any, you know, mistake you make, it can completely change the whole thing. Right? And so what I really fear, what I'm, what I'm really kind of trying to get to here is that especially with these companies at the helm, they are creating these machines, these computers, in which they think will be able to solve all of our problems. But they're not thinking of the fact that it's we humans that are living in this world. <laughs> right? Not these machines. And so, especially if these machines are, are just built the way they are, with no outside influence and just, you know, con- just pure data sets and all this other stuff, then they have no real ability to communicate or even utilize their pattern matching skills and all these other things on a wider basis. And so if you see things like AI, right, there's this huge, you know, kind of kickback against Tesla and their autopilot and stuff like that. They're saying that like a lot of really, you know, um, great researchers in this field, not just regular people, but researchers in this field are showing that actually AI is not safer, right? Autopilot is not safer um, than regular humans driving. Because due to the amount of people out there using autopilot, getting into accidents and things like that, all right, that would actually be very similar if you scaled that up to, you know, um, the amount of people driving today. There would be far more accidents than not. And a lot of this, I haven't gotten into like all the nuances, but a lot of this does kind of boil down to the fact that with autopilot, for instance... The, a lot of that AI is being taught, number one, with data that is sterilized or in some some ways, you know, kind of um, in a sterilish environment. And number two, a lot of that is being kind of kind of uh, muscled in afterwards, right? Like a lot of the autopilot is it's technically in beta, if I'm not mistaken, <laughs> right? So a lot of the people are beta testing the the AI, the autopilot, as they're driving. <laughs> And so, you know, the bugs aren't, aren't, haven't been, you know, uh, completely squashed or anything like that. Right? And here, that's the other part of the problem I didn't even get into. It's the fact that with, when, when you're doing some, something like this with, with AlphaGo, like some of these um, professional Go players were, say, were saying that um, some of these AI do have quirks. Right? They do have, like, weird things that, that are suboptimal. But it's not clear which of those things are actual bugs, actual problems in the programming, and which of them are, you know, um, could lead to, are leading to, are leading to strategies that are just way beyond us. It's not clear. <laughs> and that's another fundamental problem with a lot of these AI. All right? If we're, if we look at a thing and we don't know if this quirk or whatever direction that they're giving is a bug, or a part of the strategy, then we're fucked, <laughs> right? Because we could be trying to follow something as best as we could, as best as we can, 
but that could have just been some you know cosmic background radiation causing a a, <laughs> a mutation in the programming and you know or or glitch in the programming right this is crazy examples of um this one person winning this crazy speed running um uh competition like it was live and everything right they were doing this live this crazy speed running competition and um somehow they were able to do this one glitch that allowed them to finish it in like like 100 times faster than and anybody was ever anybody else was ever able to do and nobody else could explain it at the time right they thought he was just cheating or whatever but in reality when they look back at the computer and stuff like that they realize that a freaking uh, gamma ray burst right from a, a star system a billion years away just happened to hit <laughs> the the one of the chips in a very specific manner and which flipped a bit or whatever and it was able to cause this glitch right and this this these are things that nobody can ever predict and in fact it's unlikely that any machine would ever be able to predict not 100% you know perfectly all the time and because of that there's always 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 going to be unknowns uncertainties and all this other stuff and this is why it's so important that we develop tools that allow us to adapt more than they simply control right so as I'm looking at this at these uh, tools and everything like that I'm thinking or these AI and things like that I'm thinking about how can we how can we create AI or any sort of computer systems and things like that that are more open that allow us to look into the data sets and to see how they're making these decisions and to see the patterns that they're making and all this other stuff how can we improve the interface the UX of machine learning so that anybody can open up one of these you know machines one of these AlphaGo algorithms or anything like that or even especially you know let's take I didn't even touch on this but social media algorithms all of this behaves the same way remember this is Google that was put in this AlphaGo situation uh, algorithms and stuff like that that was building these algorithms they're using the same exact, um, uh, you know, software, or maybe not the same exact software, but the same ideas that they use for things like Google and YouTube. Oh, goodness. Yeah, Google and YouTube. For YouTube, we've known this for years, but one of the best ways they, they, they improve that the, algor- the, the algorithms is by having the algorithms um, or having the machine learning tools that, that create the algorithms to teach themselves. <laughs> Right, this is why um, many many YouTubers, many of the big like Hank Green and stuff like that, have mentioned that YouTube can't actually control what gets seen and what what is not, not directly at least. Right, because they're not even they don't they're not even directly creating the algorithms anymore. For years, it's just been you know <laughs> the algorithms showing the other algorithms. In fact, they have an algorithm that looks at another algorithm. Um, to see if that algorithm is good. And there's another algorithm that checks on that one. And that was a couple years ago. That was like a 5, 10 years ago. There's probably even more. It's like multiple levels of this. 
So it's so abstracted today that no human even knows how our recommendation engines work. No human understands, you know, exactly why this video got recommended to this person. We have no idea how. <laughs> All right, let me go. We have some idea how, but we have no idea how it worked, right? How it got there. The best they can do is put some, you know, uh, um, weights on the on the thing that says, okay, pay a lot of attention to this and pay a little bit of attention to that, right? Or they can try to completely, you know, um, lock down certain keywords and say, okay, this is this keyword is a no go. Anything here gets banned, right? This is why you have those um, um, so many cases of people getting banned or shadow banned, which is even worse in my opinion, um, for for really seemingly innocuous things oh and if you're wondering why you know oh why does this big creator not get banned it's because they have you know again you have these top level controls you can put in place where you can say okay this word or something like that ban anybody that says this but th not for this creator because we know this creator like right? so you can, you can put in the names okay this specific creator who we know brings in a lot of money and stuff like that we'll put him in the not to ban list so, you know, this keyword, ban it for everybody else, but not for this one. And it's way, it's way easier to do that, right? Because this is a top-level control. You don't have to go down into the algorithm, you know, the, the machines and machine, the, you know, turtles all the way down to figure that out. You could just do it on the top level, which is why it's such a heavy kind of statement, like a heavy type of hand. And it's why they almost certainly do not you know, bothered trying to communicate <laughs> a lot of these decisions and things like that. Because honestly, they probably don't know. They almost certainly don't know what they can do. They just have these top level things. And, they, and they, again, it's because it's top level, you cannot do it for everybody. Because then it just won't work. <laughs> so we have these very real situations, aspects of our world, where entire realities are being controlled by computer systems in which no human will ever be able to understand. This is far worse with something like TikTok even. Because at least with YouTube, it's ultimately up to you to decide what you want to click on. But with TikTok, it's just a constant stream. <laughs> All right? And I'm really worried how this is going to get even worse with you know, companies like Facebook trying to control the quote-unquote metaverse. Because now they'll be able to get way more data than you can even under understand. It's not just, like, even now, with regular 2D screens, they can under they can see who you are, or at least what type, the type of person you are. They can predict to a very high degree of accuracy your personality, your personality, just based on what you're clicking on. Just based on how you move your mouse around the screen. Just on that. Now imagine how much more data you get where they can see your entire body, how your body moves, <laughs> right? And which eye tracking, like where your eyes are looking at, where your head is looking at, all these other things. It's not enough to just ban this stuff either because it's not going to work can't just ban these technologies people are going to want to build it this is cool as tech and you can use these things for very positive ends but unlike with AlphaGo 
in the rest of the world, you have these simulation or these computers, these algorithms, these AI being used not for the purposes of just figuring out how to play a game, but for the purposes of making more money. So th- take all of that that I just said about having this huge data set, being able to identify patterns that nobody else is able to see, you know, being able to play on a level that most people physically cannot play and apply that to the economy. Apply that to these investment strategies. Apply that to, you know, any of these financial (laughs) uh, situations, your credit score, all these things. We're creating a world in which no human will ever actually be able to compete. We say we like capitalism. If you say you like capitalism, what's the point if no human can actually be competitive? (laughs) Right? The only way in which you can be competitive is to have AI doing all the work. In which case, you know, only people who have AI can actually compete. Quite frankly, that's already the case in some ways. Right? This is what I've been saying for, for, for years now. One of the biggest problems with capitalism is that most people cannot even compete in the marketplace. Most people's voices don't get heard in the marketplace because they don't have money. The marketplace doesn't respond to all of our needs and, and things like that because most of us don't have the money. <laughs> and those who have more money literally have a louder voice than everybody else. If you have a billion dollars, then your voice is literally a, a billion people, <laughs> right? Like it's... <laughs> I mean, grants is not that much because it's not like everybody else is just worth one dollar. But you get my point here. Is that these people who have way more money have way more say in the marketplace than anybody else combined. Right. It showed how. Well, I don't have to get into that again. I was just going to say, like, they showed how. Well, again, they have way more money. OK. <laughs> but getting back to A.I., I think it's going to be imperative, already is imperative, that we make these AI more transparent. That we think about how we can empower more people to have access to these tools. Because again, it's not, it's not the problem of the AI per se. All they're doing is having this huge sets of data and looking at patterns and, and trying to solve problems that we told them to solve. If we want to adapt more quickly, if we want to build a world in which we can adapt to situations and solve more problems, then we have to empower more people to have access to the tools that allow them to solve those problems. We have to create these mechanisms for the average person to spin up an AI or to, to teach an AI or to, 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 to you know, look into what to... What into, ah, Look into what an AI is looking at, you know, to learn the patterns that the different AI is is doing in their lives. Look at 
something like the credit score or you know better yet a better way to 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 deal with something like that that problem of of credit of you know or of um housing or any of these other problems that we have how can we empower more people to have access to these tools and this is i think this is going to get exponentially worse as these companies start to use these tools these software and stuff like that for more and more purposes um, especially not, without even telling us and that's going to be absolutely terrifying but yeah again just recap all this it's not that AI is alien that is a computer <laughs> these computers can do things in which no biological creature will ever be able to do no purely biological creature most likely so we have to think about you know how we can how we can empower them right and real quick I did that's what I forgot <laughs> I did want to talk a little bit about Dolly and creativity right the fact that um people think art or creativity and things like that is purely human like it's all about creating new things but I've I've thought this since 2015 I think I've said it in one of those podcasts or whatever <laughs> but creativity especially when it comes to humans right it's not about creating new things it's about mixing things up like it's physically impossible for us to create something completely new that we've never seen before because your brain is not able to perceive of things that it's never seen before. That's the, the 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 whole point of having a brain, is that it takes things that you have seen and mixes it up, right? To create new patterns, new stories, and all this other stuff that other people can understand, other people can communicate, other people can feel. And AI can do the same thing. The trick is not, you know. It's not whether or not it can create. It's whether or not it can create in a way that we understand. <laughs> right? It's whether or not it can create things that other people can feel something about. And that feeling is not necessarily mysterious either. It's not just, oh, just, just vague feeling. It's, it's whether or not it resonates with our, with our lived experiences. Right? Whether or not we can find some sort of... Um, relation to our, our our lives in some way to our mental states and that can be almost completely by chance or maybe there are some mechanisms there but we we simply don't aren't, aren't currently able to understand what those mechanisms are so we call it chance but either way you know it only takes a certain amount of uh, iterations a certain amount of data for a machine to be able to see oh this resonates more with people and this does not so let me create this, right? Um, so yeah, I think AI can create art. And I think Dali is art, you know, what we create with that. But where, as far as humans using it, it's just, you know, um, can, they, can they use it well? <laughs> All right, do they understand how the AI works and can they work with it? And how can we create AI that works better with how humans work? So that instead of trying to speak the computer's language... We can make the computer better at understanding our language, our intent. 
I think that's the secret with a lot of these AI tools is how can we make, you know, make them better able to understand us instead of us having to, you know, switch around for it. But anyways, I'm going to end it here because I don't want to go over an hour and I got to go. But as always, thanks for listening. Thanks for uh, thinking with me. And let's keep being revolutionary and radical. Keep being awesome. Yeah, see ya. <laughs> see ya. Bye-bye.